Welcome to the Sea Health Podcast, where we believe that self-care is healthcare. Too often we find ourselves in a constant struggle to balance career, health, and family, or feel guilty when we even think about taking time for ourselves. Most of the healthcare advice we find on social media never seems to quite fit our needs, and it's unclear whether it's even based on real scientific evidence. We may even be at the point where we just accept that constant stress, pain, and disability are natural. Or maybe we've given up on the idea that we can make changes that would improve our state of well-being. At Sea Health, our fundamental belief is that people can change. We help you identify self-limiting beliefs and behaviors that have been preventing you from reaching your fullest potential. In this podcast, we will discuss both evidence-based and experience-based self-care practices that can be done anywhere to accommodate your busy schedule. These will help you optimize your health, fitness, and productivity. We use movement and mindfulness as our pharmacy to take you from feeling overwhelmed and indecisive to feeling empowered and confident with your self-care decisions. I'm your host, Danielle Day. I've been coaching for over 25 years in university lecture halls, gymnasiums, yoga studios, and in the corporate world. I have a PhD in integrative physiology, I'm a certified yoga instructor, and I have my level one CrossFit certification. But formal education aside, I've learned the most about life from taking chances, making missteps, reflecting on my choices, and committing to a life of continual personal and professional growth. I'll often be joined by my co-host, Ramez Antoon. Ramez is a physical therapist specializing in orthopedics and sports rehabilitation. He's also a strength coach, Tai Chi practitioner, and you will never meet anyone who is more passionate and curious about movement, health, and longevity. I'll often be joined by my co-host, Ramez Antoon. Ramez is a physical therapist specializing in orthopedics and sports rehab. He's also a strength coach, Tai Chi practitioner, and you will never meet anyone who is more passionate and curious about movement, health, and longevity. Together, we will filter through the science, the fluff, share personal stories, and discuss our experiences working with busy clients to bring you actionable advice. If you're interested in our telehealth care coaching services, please visit us at chealthcoach.com. That's the letter C, healthcoach.com. We'd like to thank you for listening. And without further delay, here's today's episode. In this episode, we discuss common misperceptions about our ability to change and what tools and which types of people we need in our lives to shift out of what's no longer working for us and make space for what will enable us to continue to grow into the best version of ourselves. Please enjoy. So some of you may have been wondering why we're called Sea Health. And Ramez, do you want to talk about what the original impetus for that was? Yeah. So when we were first trying to come up with a name, I was thinking of a way of um, in the logo, basically presenting health and seeing health differently and see health differently came to my mind. And the, the words were way too long. So I just figured I'd put a, the letter C and then health. And then I just threw it out there as like a brain fart <laughs> to the team and it resonated with everybody. And then we just kept, we kept running with it. And so now it's C health. And then I remember Danielle, at one point we were trying, when we were coming up with the values of the company, we were trying to, trying to get every word to start with the letter C to like make it like kind of cliche um, that kind of fell yeah. through because it was just too hard to do that. But um, yeah, that's where the C came from. And today's, it's perfect for today's episode because we can uh, flip it around and 
talk about change and C for change. Yeah. Today, today the C word for C health is, is change. And it's a core belief of ours that people can and do change and that none of us belong in a defined role or category based on our past or even present behavior. We, we truly believe that uh, everything, including every cell in your body, every breath you take, is a change and we're constantly changing. So this notion that people sometimes get in their head that they don't have the ability to change or they're so set in their ways or they think that somebody else can't change because their behavior has just quote unquote always been a certain way. Um, but we, we wanna challenge that today. Um, and the, the prompt I'm gonna use to, to ask Ramez to get us started here is, you know, you may have heard that expression or even said it yourself um, once a blank, always a blank. So I want to ask you if you have you heard that expression before? If so, what was it in reference to? Or have you actually used that expression before to, to talk about somebody or something? Hmm. Um, yes, actually, I've heard it. And uh, just given my passion for movement, I've in the past thought about um, once a blank, always a blank in regards to uh, mobility or in regards to like what someone's um, capability can be in regards to uh, changing mobility. Like that was one of my things coming out of, of school. It was like, okay, you have this level of mobility and like now it's all about just optimizing what you have rather than thinking you can um, change it. But Really quickly, once I started studying um, the brain and neuroplasticity, I started to realize that it's not just the brain that's plastic, but the body is plastic. And this whole science of neuroplasticity um, has really debunked that myth of once a blank, always a blank, whether we're looking at it from a mobility or a body standpoint or from a mind and a thoughts standpoint. Um, are you familiar with the book Soft Wired, Danielle, by um, Michael Mershenik, I believe it was? He's, he's basically a I am not. Um, neurosci neuroscientist out of, I want to say Stanford, he wrote this book all about neuroplasticity and the ability for the brain to rewire itself and make all these new connections. And um, mm -hmm. he, this beginning of the book talks about all of the neuroscience and all of the um, really interesting research in regards to what we now know about the brain's plasticity, um, AKA its ability to change. And then the, mm -hmm. like, the second half of the book is all about ways to implement it into your daily life in terms of like changing the way you think, changing the way you move, changing the way you just see life in general. And, you know, can't, old, can't teach an old dog new tricks. The science just really challenges that. Um, mm -hmm. So to go back to your original question, did I ever, ever think of or say once a blank, always a blank? Um, I, think it, I think the more common use of that is for um, like defining people's characters, which uh, mm -hmm. I'll, 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 I'll send that, I'll send the ball in your court in that regard. Um, but in terms of movement, studying neuroscience, has really helped me combat that limiting belief. And I mean, to be honest, like it's now, it's not an arguable um, topic. It's very well established in neuroscience that the mind can change 
the body can change. Um, so that's my, that's where, where that belief came from for me, at least. How about you, Danielle? Yeah, what about, and that, uh, Cause you've, you've, you've talked a, little, a lot about this for me on, on the back end, but um, mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about your experience with that term. Cause I know it grinds your gears a little bit. <laughs> It, def- it definitely does. It definitely does. I mean, I, and, you know, to, to just acknowledge the point that you made about movement, um, you know, we, we've both coached people in, in different movement practices and you'll have people sometimes that will say, well, I've just always had tight hips or, yeah, you know, it's exactly. and, and that, that, those kind of extreme words, I think are part of this, this area that we want to change. My balance, <laughs> the, my balance is, know, my balance has always sucked that like those comments. Yeah. Right. right. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's completely self-defeatist attitude to go in a mentality to go in and it's kind of up to us to let people know, you know, this is, you can change everything about yourself, you know, from your, your attitude and your mindset to things in your body. Um, and your body is constantly changing on its own day to day. Anyway, cells are turning over and, and everything, but you know, my, my hot button with this really is more on the kind of philosophical mindset behavior side where, it's just so easy for us to put things into discrete categories and not accept that there is a full spectrum of human emotion and human behavior. And that, you know, with self-awareness, and I think that is the key with self-awareness and with an open mind to taking in new information, we can absolutely change the way we see the world, the way we see different people, the way we, make our choices. Um, so that's, that's kind of where it comes from for me. And, and I think it's also personal for me because I've lived a life <laughs> where I've made a lot of choices that, you know, at the time seemed right. And then later on seemed like maybe not the best choice. So, you know, I have an amazing group of, of supportive friends and family that have been with me through a lot of those missteps and kind of picked me up when, when I fell and, never judged right and and just said like you know you you did what you felt like you had to do at the time and now you know better (laughs) kind of thing so and when you know better then you can do better um so it just really bothers me when when people just say like well um you know this person's always been a drinker so they're always going to be a drinker and it's it's sort of this place where you give up on people or, or even give up on yourself and and again, I, I think it's kind of the easy way out because it is hard. It's hard to reflect on your choices or reflect on your opinions. And we certainly had to do that a lot in this world. Um, this year in particular, we I think we've all been called to look at our unconscious biases and the way we see certain people and that don't look like us and challenge ourselves to be like, well, why do I have this mindset or this opinion or this attitude? Where did it come from? And can I change it you know is is there is there something that feels a little bit better than the way I've always thought Hmm. yeah my uh my meditation mentor Joseph would always say um you know and you've actually told me this too Danielle is is this useful or Mm -hmm. just this that that simple question of like is this thought helpful or useful in any way or empowering or is it disempowering um, mm, that's, that's a great question that's, to ask. Right. Cause if it's like, if you're thinking a certain way and then you ask yourself that question, like, oh yeah, like I'll just use my 
old thought pattern as an example, like, oh, someone's mobility, like this is the way it is. Let's just work within what they got. That wasn't really useful because I, it wasn't empowering either because it was kind of like, okay, you have to just work with what you have and there's no way that you can change and, and attain more even if someone's motivated to do so. And so seeing other people being able to, for example, improve their own mobility, like that inspired me and made me reflect on my own limiting belief. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that, that the question of just, is this useful? I don't think yeah, once, yeah, a, I love once that. a blank, always a blank is, is, is useful for, you know, at any point in time, but I'm really curious. I, I, I want to, I want to dig a little bit deeper from your end. What was an example in your life where, um, where maybe you, you, you used that, that term when you reflect back and you like, where you, where you thought you really truly thought that someone, something couldn't change. And, um, and then fast forward like a few years where your experience has changed um, your mind. Can you, can you, can you kind of like give us that, um, that like continuum and paradigm, if you will? Well, I, I have, I have a few examples. Um, I think the, the easiest one to talk about is, is with myself. And this is, um, this also relates to the relationship therapist, Esther Perel's question that she says people should ask themselves and, and their partners or friends or anyone they're trying to have a better connection with relationship wise is think, can you think of a time when you changed your mind? And for me, my, my whole life, I, I said, I never wanted to have children. And so those, again, those terms always and never, whenever those are being used, we can kind of see those as red flags that we're closing our minds and we're not know that. taking the time to, re to reflect. Oh yeah. Hmm. It was like my mantra. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Never, ever, ever wanted to have children. And, you know, I met my current husband, um, you know, four years ago and I was uh, already uh, 40 actually over 40 and our relationship, you know, developed in such a way that I was like, wow, actually this is someone I would want to do this with. And he's a big family person. And, um, you know, at first though, I didn't, I actually said to him <laughs> when we started dating, I was like, well, we can't date because I can tell that you want to have kids and I don't want to have kids. So we shouldn't even date. And he was like, Oh, you know, let's see how it goes kind of thing. And, um, when it came down to it and he, you know, we had been dating for a year or so and we were kind of like, all right, let's, what's happening here. And he was like, well, I really want to have a family, you know, not like today, but that is still something I want to do. So we should probably think about this. And I was kind of devastated because I, I really felt like this was the person for me, this was my partner and, and I didn't want to lose that, but I also didn't want to go against my own desires. But in that moment, I also realized that I had been telling myself this story my whole life, and I'd never really stopped to look at that story and see if it was still true. And I think this is something that is a huge takeaway for me and something I'd love to share with everyone else is like, what is the story that we're telling ourselves? Because this whole like once a blank, always a blank, or, you know, I always do this or I never do that you know, we get stuck in that. And it's just a story we tell ourselves and we get to create our own story. So you can edit that story at any point. And what I had said to, to Kyle at the time was, 
let me take some time to reflect on my reasons why I never wanted to have children and see if they're still true for me. And I think that's a great question to ask is like, this is how I feel, or this is how I've felt up to this point in my life. Is this still true for me? Do I have any new information that would make me change my mind about this? And when I did that exercise, I mean, I learned a lot about myself and kind of realized where that came from. And I mean, a lot of it was fear driven, which is a big reason that a lot of us get stuck in these mindsets too, is we're afraid of the alternative. Again, we stay where it's comfortable. We stay where it's easy to define something and we define ourselves that way. And even when you're getting little polls and little calls from the world, like, are you sure this is still who you are? You're just like, well, of course it is. This is how I've always been. And this is how it's always going to be. But if you can actually pause and say to yourself, you know, I've actually haven't tested this in a while or ever. (laughs) Is this still true for me? Is there new information that would give me a different perspective, even about myself and my own, my own thoughts? Wow. And that was, yeah, it was powerful. It was really powerful. And um, like I said, it, it, you know, kind of showed me where some of those things came from that were no longer true for me. And it allowed me to open my mind and see a different possibility and, and a completely different, you know, path in life. Wow. I really appreciate your transparency with that. That's, um, that's very powerful. How long did that take you? Yeah. You know, like to the, to actually like reflect on that, like from when you told Kyle that, okay, let me think about why I think I'm thinking this way. I'm, was it a couple of days? Was it a week? Was it months? Um, I would say probably about a month. You know, I, okay. I did a lot of writing and, um, but I mean, it's, it's actually been a continued journey, even when I decided to go down that <clears throat> path with him. And um, obviously, like I said, you know, being a little bit older, it's been harder. We're still kind of, we're still on this fertility journey. So, I mean, there's been a lot along the way that has still been, uh, that I'm still uncovering about, you know, those old thought patterns and, and how they could potentially be even impacting, um, you know, what we're trying to do. So it's, it's something that I think once you decide to do it, you are already kind of free, but there's a lot of work to do to unpeel those layers that you've been building up for years and years and years. Um, so that's something to be mindful of as well. It definitely can't be a pivot in that moment. And you're just like, well, now I think this way, <laughs> you know, and I would yeah. be very cautious about people who do that. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Totally. Um, my example was about mobility. Yours is about having kids. Now I feel like I have to uh, give a better example. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I think it's great because it, it, both of those things uh, apply. And I mean, and I have other ones, too, that aren't, aren't as, you know, pretty. You know, like I said, some things that I've, you know, some choices that I've made or people in my life who have had certain behaviors that I sort of gave up on them and, um, you know, just didn't really open my mind to the possibility that they could change either. And those, those are really hard stories and maybe we'll get into them on on another podcast at some point. But um, Hmm. I I think it's cool actually to, to apply this concept of change to the full spectrum of, you know, whether it's a simple thing like 
you know, you don't try an activity because you feel like your body's not made for it. Or like, I'm not a runner. I, you know, another example I could give that's a little less heavy is like, I keep, I've been saying my whole life, like I'm not a morning person, but now I'm kind of like, gosh, it would be really useful to try to change that. Like, can I change that? Can I test that? Can I challenge it? Um, And it's, that's one that's again, taking a lot of effort (laughs) and time and, backwards movement and then a little forwards movement and then a little backwards movement. And that's just all part of the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One thing that, one thing that I found really interesting when I was going through my own paradigm shift with just um, the mobility example that I gave, like it was so interesting to reflect back how much aversion I had towards the idea of static stretching. I was like, Nope. Like as soon as it came up, Nope that's not appropriate. Like, that's just, I literally demonized it. And it was so interesting (laughs) because it was just, I got into this whole study of um, studying control, learning how to control motion and, you know, what we call motor control. Um, And it was like, I just left this whole other part of uh, the movement system out of the equation. Um, and it's just so interesting that <laughs> was I being dogmatic? Not in not in the sense of um, well, that's interesting you brought that up because recently I've looked into the definition of dogmatic and realized that I've been using that word very poorly. <laughs> I always thought dogmatic <laughs> was because the way it's been used in our industry is people who are obsessed over techniques and methods and argue about that versus um, agreeing on principles. But lo and behold, in the in the dictionary, uh, dogma means someone who's very principle based or. Um, yeah, that's like that's the definition. So apparently everything that I've read and used in terms of dogma was incorrect in the past, which that kind of threw me for a loop. Um, I was being dogmatic so in the you sense changed that your definition of dogma. <laughs> yeah, well, I was in, in that sense, I was being dogmatic in the sense that I was I was averse towards a technique or a method versus um, Mm -hmm. really understanding the underlying principles and the underlying um, reasons why we would need to engage in such technique and what would lead us to that conclusion, if that makes, I hope that makes Mm -hmm. sense to our listeners. Um, Yes, it was very, it was very methods based. um, Well, I think the the big call out there is the fact that you recognized that you were immediately rejected something, you know, and, and I think that's again, one of those other red flags or signals to us. It's like, if you respond right away, when you hear a new idea and just go, well, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. Or that doesn't make any sense. I don't believe that. That's a perfect call out of like where that response is coming from is not from open-mindedness. That is from, fear of change, right? That's from something that doesn't align with the way that you've been thinking up until this point. And so immediately it's like, that's a little scary. I'm pushing that away. And of course we don't have that in the conscious part of our brain that it's scary or, or we're afraid of it. We think we're just right. <laughs> and that other thing is wrong. So I, I think it's a great call out that you had there where you're just like, I always rejected this without really even thinking like, well, is there any part of this that could actually fit with what I believe? Right. Yeah. Is there anything useful in here? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was very disappointed on, to, to finally uh, learn about the true definition of dogma, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> I really was. Why are you it's, disappointed? It's, because I think it's, I also think it's just, it's not used, it's not used correctly in, in the movement industry because people who are claimed to be dogmatic in the movement industry are uh, very uh, methods-based and that that's not the definition of dogma. I mean, I think the original definition is set around religion, right? So oh, really? hold up right here. Yeah. I mean, relating oh, to or of the nature that. of a dogma or dogmas or any strong set of principles concerning faith, morals, et cetera, uh, hmm. as those laid down by a church, you know, so a doctrine or things like that. Um, I, mean, I, I also think, almost you know, failed my SAT. So I can't really depend on my definition on words. <laughs> <That's> so, <laughs> well, we we all I think are guilty of using words the wrong way too. So, um, but no, I, I, and and you know the reason I actually brought that word in is because I think there's you know suggestion that people get attached to their ideals as though they were facts, even though they may not be facts. They're just beliefs, and you know even if a large collect collective of people have the same beliefs, it doesn't make it factual. And it doesn't mean that there isn't another way of thinking. Um, mm. That's how I kind of perceive it. So in the light of so, change mm-hmm. and changing one's mind or changing one's body, right? And with the light of um, someone's personal values, for example, or someone's, um, you know, a approach to yoga or tai chi or whatever it is like there like we there's a certain level of principles or values driven um individuals out there so at what point do you what point do we call um somebody who's very set in their value system in their principles and aren't willing to change the character of who they are because they they know who they are and they reflect on who they are through the circumstances of their life versus somebody who is dogmatic. Cause I feel like that word is used in a very um, negative connotation, but I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for people who are values driven, for example, and aren't willing to, for example, take on a business partnership because the other person doesn't line up with their value system. Um, in terms of like a mm-hmm. character ethic, as Stephen Covey would say, right? So at what point do we say, okay, this person is open-minded, willing to change versus um, this person is dogmatic and just closed-minded? Is my, is that, does that question, that, did that question come out clearly? Yeah, yeah. I, actually, I think it's a really interesting and, and kind of a difficult question um, because mm. like you said, we sort of paint different words with different, you know, either being positive or negative. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about somebody's values, that can be, that can be kind of a dangerous cover for closed-mindedness in some cases. Right. So it's like, well, uh, on principle, I don't, 
um, wake up early in the morning. <laughs> you know? It's like, well, what is that? What is that principle that you're following? And that, you know, really, I just don't want to be a morning person. <laughs> but, yeah, so be, so for, some, for me, I would consider that more of a technique or a method versus a principle. Would you disagree? Oh yeah, I would, but I, I think that sometimes people can hide their their closed mindedness behind something called values. Um, and I'm trying to think of a, gotcha. you know what I'm saying? And I, I'm trying yeah, to yeah, think yeah, of yeah. a good, I, I mean, and I don't want to bash organized religion. It's not something I, I've ever really has resonated with me, but I think that there's a lot of rules in those types of organizations that, um, again, are, are, are kind of make it easy for people to fall into a certain category or follow a certain path um, without questioning it. And I, this is just a, a belief of mine is that, you know, we should be questioning things, uh, our own thoughts, and then other thoughts that people give to us and, and having good, healthy discourse about those types of things. That's not something that happens regularly in this world. But mm. I think that's where we should be moving towards. Because if you can understand a little bit more about where somebody's coming from that has a different mindset than you, um, one, it's going to make you a more well-rounded person. You may not agree with them at the end of the day, you may take mm -hmm. in all of that information and just be like, I see where you're coming from. And I see kind of where you've learned that and how it's shaped the way you view the world. But um, that actually doesn't resonate with me. Like, I, I think that's our, our charge, right, is to take in more information and take in different information. Again, like challenge our current belief system and just say, now that I have this new information, does that change the way that I think or feel? And if the answer is no, I think that's perfectly fine, right? But if you never do that, then I think you are being self-limiting in terms of your ability to grow, your ability to understand other people around you. Because at the very least, if you have a conversation like that with somebody who's different than you, you can at least get a better idea of where they're coming from. Um, and I think that makes it more human and personal and we can still be different from one another. Well said, well said. Yeah, that actually, what you, what you just said reminded me of um, Stephen Covey's differentiation between the character ethic versus the personality ethic or like, like I forget the quote that he said. Um, I don't know if it's from Stephen Covey, but to be rather than to seem, and to mm -hmm. you know to know what you represent and to know what you're not willing to um, compromise with in terms of um, your value system. Like so, like I'll just for the audience, just for an example, like for me, I one of my personal values is health first. And I'm not willing to compromise my health for any sum of money. It, like I'm not seduced by money for sacrificing my health. Like I refuse to be at a desk eight hours a day uh, and mm -hmm. not have time to take care of myself, take care of my family. Um, and there's no amount of money that someone can wave in front of me that is going to be able to say, okay, I'll give you X amount of dollars, uh, but now you don't have time to work out or exercise. And, and another one for me is, is growth. Like I love learning and I love constantly growing personally and professionally. So I wouldn't also take on a job, for example, for any amount of money that would give me some type of barrier for continuing education. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't think 
And it'll be interesting to see if we have the same conversation 10 years from now. I don't think I'm ever going to deviate from that. Um, and if, and if, if that behavior is deemed dogmatic, then I am absolutely dogmatic. Um, so my, the reason I bring this up is, um, you know, when, when we are asked to define who we are as individuals and, you know, why are we taking on, let's say an exercise routine or why are we trying to move forward in our professional lives? Like, I think for me, it's been, and for a lot of the people that I've worked with, it's been a very helpful thing to do to establish these um, values and these, I don't want to say goals, but um, motives. And once we have those roughly defined, I feel like decision-making becomes easier because one of the things that um, we've talked about a lot in terms of change is, do you feel like, you know, we've asked this question before, why is it difficult to change? And do you feel like there's certain things that people can't change? Um, and I feel like there's, there's certain things that people can't change I would say it's the things that people believe in so deeply and hold so near to them that they have no motivation to change those things because they see that as being so close to who they are as people. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's, let's take kind of a, a relatable example, maybe from um, the food world, right? So do you have any friends that are, or family that are, that are vegetarian? Uh, vegetarian. Yes. I can think of a friend who's a vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. So have you ever been in a conversation with that person where you're like, don't you miss having hamburgers? Don't you miss bacon? Like, why, why are you doing this? Like, you know, you could eat meat, like protein's really good for you. Uh huh. I have. So, and actually I've had two yeah. different, I'm thinking of two different people now that you asked that question. Um, one <laughs> person was, was, is very much so like, they they're doing it because they care so much about animals and they're like no not at all mm -hmm. like i don't i don't miss it at all like i actually mm -hmm. and i don't i don't get this grossed out by it either but i i'm just so grounded in not eating meat that like i see you guys eating meat and like i'm super happy with my salad and then there was another person that i'm thinking about that was like oh my god yes i do miss it like <laughs> And like when you when you talk when you have a conversation with those type of people that really do miss it, there's no substance behind why they've chosen to do that behavior. It's almost like they're doing it because they think they should, versus mm -hmm. because they have well because they've done the work and have adequately defined who they are and what they believe in. And it's almost like they waste no energy with making the decision whether to engage in said behavior or not. Mm -hmm. So that. Yeah, so, that, was a, that was a really good question to help kind of help my scattered brain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and I think the other thing that this brings up is something like that, we're willing to challenge people on, right? So when you talk about prioritizing your health and not giving up anything for money, for example, um, it's hard to challenge that, you know, like, because I think in our minds, we, we have this, you know, again, like a hierarchy of things that we judge, we all kind of know at least, you know, uh, on some level that health is important. And I, I try, I'm trying to eliminate the word should from my 
vocabulary, mm-hmm. which again, will be like a whole nother conversation we can have, but we all know that we should take care of our health, right? Mm-hmm. But there are some people who really don't prioritize that, don't want to prioritize it. And yet I will absolutely say that I'm guilty of this. Um, we tend to judge those people. So there are just certain things that people could change and aren't willing to change. And on your end, it's, I'm going to prioritize my health. On somebody else's end, it might be like, I'm going to prioritize beer drinking and wine drinking. (laughs) You know, these are things I love to do, you know? And I mean, my dad actually is a good example of this. I mean, he is 80, so we've kind of given him a pass on this, but cigars and scotch every night. Um, He actually dropped the scotch earlier this year, but this went on for years. And it was like, I know that's not a healthy thing for him to do, but he enjoys it. And it's a priority for him at five o'clock every day. This is what he's going to do. So yeah, in my mind, I I was judging it and I was thinking it was selfish because I want him to live as long as he possibly can and have a healthy life. But those are the things that he wants to do. So this, this kind of leads into another piece of this. uh, And maybe this kind of ties back to your idea of like, how do you know when it's values that somebody's driven by versus closed-mindedness. I think that's our own human lens that we've put on this and that we actually do have this sort of hierarchy of what's acceptable for somebody to be dogmatic about and things that it's not acceptable. So with the vegetarian example, there are a lot of people who just be like, oh, that's, I could never do that. That's just stupid. Like, why don't you just have a piece of bacon? And like, it's really disrespectful to somebody who has made a conscious choice and, and has, you know, probably read about this and thought about it and, and made a real change. That's not an easy one because it's not the majority, right? You've got to go to family dinners and you've got to navigate restaurants and all kinds of things that, you know, it's not easy to do. So it really, you know, shouldn't be taken lightly. But so thinking about when we judge people for making a change versus when we congratulate them for making a change. Mm-hmm. Mm. So like, yeah, I wanted to kind of let that sit <laughs> for a second. You know, I went through a divorce, for example, and I remember mm-hmm. when I was going through the divorce, people would say to me, the majority of people said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then every once in a while, I'd get somebody that would be like, oh, congratulations. And I was like, oh, that's a really odd response to get. But I like hmm. it. Like, it feels better to me. Like, thank you for acknowledging that sometimes a relationship doesn't work. And it's not serving either person anymore. And it needs to shift. But I had um, my, my spiritual coach, Ali Duncan, says, you know, our, our society is very strict on certain rules of what we can and can't change, right? We don't judge people for moving from one house to another or getting a new job, right? Maybe you're bored or you have a better opportunity elsewhere. But when it comes to like changing spouses, <laughs> you know, or even changing our minds about a hot button topic like religion or sexuality or something political, now people start to get judgy. Well, mm-hmm. you didn't used to think that before. Well, you know, marriage is forever, you know, you should have tried harder, you know, there's, there's so Mm -hmm. many. So so this is where I think we get on thin ice is encouraging people to change and to reflect on their choices and make sure that they continue to be true for them versus having this like, blanket statement, like, Oh, you did this, that's how it should be for the rest of your life. You were raised a Catholic, you can't change your mind about that. Mm -hmm. You're a Republican, you can't vote for a Democrat or you can't, you know, adopt a democratic policy. Like 
again, it, it comes back to this place where we feel safer when everything is in neatly organized little bins. And when somebody tries to disrupt that by making a switch on something that we really feel is like a value potentially, <laughs> that kind of shakes us a little bit. Totally. We might even call totally. them a hypocrite. <laughs> we have a word yeah. for it, right? We call, we call <clears throat> people a hypocrites. And it's like, are they hypocrites or did they just actually notice that what they've been doing this whole time up till now or this person that they've been with up till this time is not the right way or person or relationship or thought pattern or political view and now they've got more information or maybe they talked to people that were different than them and were like huh I actually kind of see things differently this way you know I think I think I might change my mind about that mm-hmm yeah, that's actually really interesting, and which also brings up another thought in my mind about, you know, when someone does, for example, say that they value something and give it, they give it a one word like health or growth or compassion or whatever it is, mm. I think it might be really important for us to get that definition from that individual because two people's definitions of health could be totally different, you know? Um, I know, like, for me, I've really thought about that a lot because... Um, you know, as a physical therapist and as a trainer working with other people, like at one point I was like, oh yeah, I just, I want to help people be healthy, but their, their definition of healthy might be different than my definition of healthy. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, not, and, and not to get like super scientific here, but we all know that like, there are so many different compounding variables that can provide health for one person, but maybe not so much for the other, right? Like stretching could be detrimental to somebody or not help them recover from an injury and stretching might be the cure for somebody else. So like yep. defining or having the person define what they, what their definition of whatever value or whatever thing that they don't want to change, um, getting there, I guess, which comes down to one of our values of understanding where someone is yeah. and where they're trying to go and, and, and what, what is their current, Oops, sorry. What is their current circumstances? Um, and then, and only then can maybe they can define them own selves as a hypocrite, which is, I think, I know it's a, that's a bold statement, but like we, I don't feel like we are in any place to call someone a hypocrite. If we don't even understand how they're defining like themselves and what they actually value or actually what makes them happy. Yeah, I think that's a that's a strong point there too. And um, you you've used this expression with me before. First, seek to understand, and then to be understood. Is that how it goes? That's yeah. That's Stephen Covey to yeah. a T. Basically, he was like my first. Yeah. He was like my first uh, self help book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective. Seven people. Habits. Yeah. Yeah. Changed yeah. My life, so but. that that's like a timeless. Um, but. No, I think that's a really good point, and that's um, not to give a plug for RC Health Coaching, but <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> the way we approach our conversations with people, right? It's like, well, what does it mean to you to get healthier or to right. move better right. or, you know, what, where, where is it that you want to be? And it might be more of a feeling than, you know, more of a, than a concrete goal. You know, like, I just want to get out of bed in the morning and not hurt, you know, I just want to be able to go for a hike and not have to take a ton of ibuprofen because my knees are going to just be a mess. You know, I mm -hmm. want to be able to walk into a meeting and feel confident to give my opinion. You know, there's there's so many different layers of what it is that people want. And, and 
you know, I want to bring in the, the mind part of the, the health piece too. Some of the things that we try to do or change to become physically healthier may be unhealthy for our minds. And hmm. I think the nutrition side of this is, is an area where I've experienced this and where I've watched other people experience it. Um, a comical example is years and years ago when I tried to do the South Beach diet for about seven days and I could turned into a complete raging psychopath <laughs> like, and I, like to the point where I was researching it where I was like how am I such a different person just because I changed what I'm eating and it was like oh yeah carbohydrates have an effect on your mood duh um, <laughs> you know so or, or if you're restricting yourself so much that it makes it difficult to be in social situations. And, you know, I, I've definitely been in that world too, where I've been like really, really strict trying to, you know, meet a certain goal, you know, quote unquote health wise, you know, to, to maybe drop some weight. And maybe I actually did need to lose a little bit of weight for health reasons, but the way I was going about it was making me mentally anguished. So mm. I think that there's, mm. there's a piece to that too. And same thing with exercise. I mean, if people, you know, are trying to move more, trying to implement more exercise, but they hate it. Like they get up every day and they're dreading it or they're just like, oh my God, I just want this to be over. It's like, well, that's not the right path either, probably then, you know? So I think this idea of, um, again, what we, it, it's just another example of how something that we think should be a positive change and we should be congratulating people for, you know, doing this for their health. It's like, well, if they feel like crap, I'd want to be congratulating them. I want to be asking them like, how, is this the right move to make right now? Like, I understand where you want to be, but maybe this isn't the way to get there. And, and we, maybe we should check in on that. 110%. That's such a, that's such an awesome segue into our last like topic about change, which is for our listeners, especially if they're looking for a coach, it's like a health coach, a personal trainer, a strength coach, whatever, a yoga coach, a Tai Chi coach or whatever, because change is so scary and because it can be um because it can, can trigger trigger a lot of aversion to towards people danielle i'd love to hear your thoughts on this how could we support and um not accept change necessarily but as a if someone's out there looking for a coach because they want to change a certain aspect of their health what would you say an a great coach does for someone to support their efforts to change something about their health? Well, number one is you start from a place of non-judgment. So wherever they're at now, whatever behaviors they have, that person's going to come and I've been this person, you've been this person too, to the table with like some level of shame at this point, right? Like, I know that I haven't been taking care of myself. I know that I've had this bad habit. You know, it's, it's sort of like head hanging. Like I'm finally asking for help because I just feel like I've been making all of the wrong choices and I, I want to change things. So I think number one is you need to surround yourself with people, your coach, your friends, your family who are in your life and loving and accepting you no matter what choices you're making they always, always are going to want the best for you. But this idea that you, you start from this place of non-judgment, it's like, whatever you've been up to this point doesn't matter anymore, right? You're here now. You have a desire to change. That's the number one thing. And we're going to help you, you know, we're going to help you figure out the right path. And 
it's not going to happen overnight and it's going to be a long process and just acknowledge with the person that we're going to try different things and not everything works for every person and what, as we get new information we're going to change course again and we might change course again so it's not just a this or that it's a journey that's going to be kind of weaving until we we find the place that you know makes it easy for you to head towards your goal so I think that that piece is really important on the part of the the coach or the, the the support system that that individual has in their life in general, it's family and friends and all of that is start from a place of non-judgment. The past is the past where we're being open right now. We're being open to change. And then from the individual's perspective, again, being open-minded and recognizing that we are the owners of our individual lives and we have the power of choice to change as many times as we want to. We're allowed to try new things and then decide for ourselves whether they're right for us or not. And you know what? We can always go back to the way things were. Maybe we were right all along in that we aren't, you know, runners or we're not, you know, somebody who's going to abstain from alcohol. We're not vegetarians. But without pressure testing those stories once in a while, I think we're doing ourselves a huge disservice not to find out about who we really are and then empower ourselves to handcraft a life that fits best for us. And having a coach that is right there along with you. It's going to not judge you if you try something and it fails. It's not going to judge you if you try something and you decide, you know what, I liked it better the first way. You know, I think I'm going to go back to doing this thing because it actually really made me happy. I love it. Like just the, the whole attitude of going at it from an experimental mindset versus a cert, like a, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Um, a drill sergeant mindset, you know, like, going into it is like, okay, we're going to experiment and like, here are some strategies that seem to work for people going through your situation, but given your circumstances, you know, X and Y didn't work. So let's try this instead. It, it, I, I love, I love that experimental type mindset. And for me, I know like, cause I've had various different coaches that always worked better for me, especially when I was feeling guilty about not performing well at a certain aspect um, of my life, like whether that be business or communicating or marketing or whatever. Um, I think that's huge. And I think, I think it's really important for people to understand that if you're in it with a coach who is just very non-experimental and just very set in the, in the, in the systems and the processes, and, and that's creating a lot of aversion, then people need to learn how to shop around for, the coach that they're looking for. And I, and I think in healthcare, that's not as accepted yet. Like I always try to tell my patients in the hospital, like it's okay if you go out there to an outpatient clinic and uh, don't like your PT, you're allowed to fire your physical therapist. You're allowed to fire your doctor. Absolutely. Like, you know, you're allowed to fire your coach if it's just not working out for you. Um, so with, with respect to change, because it's so scary and because especially these days with COVID going on, um, you know, if someone's trying to, if someone's trying to just come at change with a very strict sergeant uh, perspective, it can actually do more, more harm than good in my, in my experience, trying to help people change yep. during COVID. That, that is. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's great advice too, is that, you know, this is, this is your journey. And this is what I always tell people when um, they, they say they, tried yoga once and they hated it or something like that. And I'm like, well, yeah. try again, choose a different type, a different instructor. And when people would even come to my class, um, if it was a first time student and they came to my class at the end of the class, I'd walk right up to them and say, 
by the way, if you loved this, great. If you didn't, please don't just give up on yoga. Try a different teacher because my style is not for everyone. You know, you, you will be able to find something that, that fits for you. So um, I, I agree. I think we both have that mentality that we want people to just find the right fit for themselves. And that's also empowering them to change, change your mind. Yep. Yep. Totally. I can't, I can't even count on two hands how many times um, for the audience, I do a little bit of inpatient per diem work at a hospital setting. And usually my question when I'm trying to help discharge a patient is, you know, have you tried physical therapy before? If we're recommending them to go to outpatient therapy. And just like you said, like, oh yeah, I've tried PT before. I didn't like it. And so Uh one of the, one of the kind of, I don't know, this is a um, interesting way of going about it. I just will be a little facetious and say, let me ask you something, Susan. If you bought a TV and you didn't like it or it didn't work, would you just stop watching TV? Say, no, of course not. I would, <laughs> I would keep shopping around. And I was like, well, why is it any different for physical therapy? Like, you know, and usually I get a laugh and a chuckle out of them, but it's, it's true. It's like, you know, with certain, commo- like That's certain a great, commodities, great we shop around until we find what we love. And then like, PT, yoga, Tai Chi. Nope, doesn't work. It's like, all right, see you later. (laughs) It's so so true. And that that's a that's great to to challenge people. Maybe the a homework assignment for our audience is, you know, take that Esther Perel question, think about a time when you changed your mind. It can be as simple as, you know, I bought a rug for my house and I had it in there for a month and I hated it and I took it back. You know, it's like so yep. see, you can change your mind and you're totally allowed to do that with these simple things. We've got to get out of this idea that there's this hierarchy and there's things that you just, you know, can't change because we put some sort of, you know, arbitrary weight on them as, as human beings and, and within our society. It's like, this is your life. You get one shot at it. You've got to make it your own, you know, and, and obviously we do the best we can to, to make decisions that don't hurt other people. Um, and that, that's a, a a valid and um, righteous kind of goal. But, you know, we also have to recognize situations where the decisions that we make that are going to make us healthier and happier might inadvertently affect somebody else negatively, but they'll also learn and grow from that as well. So, um, you know, those are, those are the harder things to change. And, and that's probably why when there might be other people involved and things like that, but, you know, there's, there's still a way forward and we certainly, um, owe it to ourselves to, to make sure that we're con- consistently looking in on, on our thoughts, our patterns, our behaviors, checking in with those to make sure they're still true for us. And then recognizing that at any time point, we have the ability and the power to change. Well said, very, very well said. All right, Daniel, Dr. Day, I should say, I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't get out of the habit. <laughs> I can't get out of the habit of calling you Dr. Day. So I think I'm just going to keep it up. Um, <laughs> so for our audience, uh, is there anything else in regards to change that we want to leave them with for today? Um, well, you know, I, I think that I would just, uh, remind everyone, I think we've kind of, we've had a couple of good summaries here, but you know, there's, there's this concept in physics called potential energy, right. That we apply mm. to static objects. And this supports the notion that even though something appears to be immovable, it has reserved energy to move under the right conditions. So think about, you know, I think the classic physics example in school was always like a a book sitting on top of a really high shelf. 
right? Mm -hmm. You know, with the, mm -hmm. under the right conditions, you know, that book can move. <laughs> it can fall to the floor. Right now, it looks like a static object. So if you looked at it, you said, well, it doesn't have any energy. Well, not yet. That's potential energy, right? Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. the idea here is that with humans, again, under the right conditions, and those right conditions are an environment where self-awareness, self-reflection, and self-forgiveness are encouraged and supported, they also have the potential energy to move. Oh, that was so, that was such a good summary. The, the potential, the potential to change is scientifically justified in so many different fronts. Neuro, neuroplasticity, yep. physics, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so making sure you're in the right learning environment to optimize that, that you're getting looked at as a whole person and people are looking at your strengths and your limitations and really being able to strategize and experiment with you with that regard. Um, exactly. Yeah. I think, I think we did a pretty decent job at, uh, at summarizing our beliefs about, about change. What are your, what are your thoughts, you know, <laughs> Dr. Day? I feel good about it. It's, it's uh, you know, would love for our, our listeners to write in any questions or comments they feel about this and hopefully it helps them feel more empowered to, to make change or at least, you know, start to question some of their patterns and see if there, there's anything that they want to adjust. Absolutely. So reach out to For us and um, yes, yeah. what uh, your, your C health email, is that the best way for people to reach out, reach out to you, Danielle? Yeah. Do you know your so that's, uh, C, go ahead. <laughs> Danielle at chealthcoach.com. Yep. And then my email is the same, Ramez at chealthcoach.com. If any of you have any questions about what we talked about today, please feel free to reach out. All right, everyone, that's today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please follow us on Spotify, share it with a friend or a colleague. We would greatly appreciate your support. If you have any questions, concerns, or topics you'd like to hear us discuss in the future, please email chealthselfcare at gmail.com. That's C as in the letter C, healthselfcare at gmail.com. You can also email Danielle at danielle at chealthselfcare.com coach.com or myself at remez at chealthcoach.com. Thank you again for listening and we hope you have a great rest of your day.